podcast coming your way. This is episode 375 Q&A. Steve me here and the Rickster. What's up, Ed? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing out there? Good. So, guys, we have five great topics ahead. Let's get into it. Four steroid topics and then one very, very important topic uh, that we're going to get into about water. Uh, water is definitely life. So we're going to get into that topic as well. But first one, guys, low test after two years of stopping steroids and no PCT. Can this be fixed or not? So this is a common occurrence that we see. Guys, basically, they'll run steroids off and on, and they'll do everything right. Or they might not do everything right, or they might think they're doing everything right. But at the end of the day, even if you do hypothetically think you're doing everything right, what will happen is you'll run blood work one day and you'll get the bad news. And the bad news is you got low testosterone. You know, so we see this a lot. Um, my old podcast host, Trevor, ran steroids really, really young. He was only 18 or 17 when he first ran steroids. Then he ran blood work when he was like 20, 21, and his testosterone levels were super low. So he's, he, um, he talked about it on a few episodes. If you guys want to dig those up, they're long. I don't even know what number they are. But um, again, very, very common. I've seen this hundreds of times on the forums over the years where guys run steroids at a young age. They don't have problems. So in that situation, what happens is your body's going through hormonal changes. And then you throw exogenous hormones at your body, shut your pituitary gland, uh, glands down for a period of time and that affects the way your body matures the way your reproductive health matures it throws it in flux so even if you come off of steroids and don't run steroids again because you're interfering with your body's changing hormonals that will still have an effect on your future testosterone levels so I think, I think that's one of the main problems. Now, hypothetically, let's say you're on steroids later in life. You know, a lot of times what happens is, you know, you run steroids, your pituitary glands will sh- shut down. They just don't come back. They just don't come back. It could be from um, just bad luck. It could be environmental factors. It could be the water you're drinking, the foods you're eating, the, you know, living Um, next to a coal mine, living next to a nuclear power plant that's spewing crap in the air. You know, I don't know much about nuclear power, but living close to a factory, uh, pollution, all that stuff. What we do know about testosterone levels, and this is very, very important, is if you're deficient in minerals, you will be have low testosterone levels because your body needs minerals to produce testosterone. So even if you eat a lot of food, a lot of protein, you think you're getting a lot of minerals in your body. What happens is your body is not absorbing those minerals correctly. <clears throat> Ironically, the more you use steroids and the more you eat and the bigger you get, that's nature, the less efficient your body becomes at absorbing minerals and vitamins. Isn't that amazing? Our bodies are smart. Our bodies are adaptive. So that's what happens. So if you're a skinny vegan, who just eats fruits and vegetables, you're going to absorb more minerals and vitamins than if you're a big meathead who uses a bunch of steroids, who eats a bunch of protein, who eats a bunch of meat, because you're eating so much protein and so much vitamins and so much minerals and so much iron and so much zinc 
that your body adapts to that and starts absorbing less. So that's the ironic thing about bodybuilding. And that's why you see bodybuilders as they age, their testosterone levels drop, 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 drop. And we've seen that. And that's something I've studied for the past few years. And it's actually a holds true in survival situations. Because if you ever watch a survival show, Rick, you'll notice those skinny hippie type people, they are able to survive 21 days with barely any food. But then you get a meathead, a big meathead, muscular meathead who's extremely insulin resistant. Ego's on there. And he has to tap out. Like by the end of the day, he taps out because he's like, "Ah, I can't keep going. I need food. Because his body, his body can't, you know, his body can't handle that stress of going five hours without food. He's like, eh, dead. So this is the same thing with testosterone. So this is something to look into, guys. You know, what are you doing with your lifestyle? Are you eating too much food? Are you eating conventional foods, pesticides? You know, you're getting a lot of this crap in your body. Um, I actually have a friend. He works in... Um, Pest control, pest control. The dudes had three different types of cancers. His testosterone levels are like under 100. Like everything is wrong with him because he's just being exposed to all these pesticides. So just look around your house, guys. Do you have pesticides in your house? Do you spray pesticides in your house? Do you have Clorox under your sink? Do you have these chemicals under your sink? All these things that you may not think affect your hormones, they do. So it could be so many different factors in play. So I'm going to bring in Rick on this. Uh, I kind of went off on a tangent, but all this matters, guys. You guys really need to be careful what you're breathing in, what you're exposed to, what you're eating, what you're drinking, where you live even. If you live next to a coal coal factory, you know, it's going to affect your, your testosterone levels too. So all that, all that makes a difference. It's interesting because, you know, when people die and they don't know who their relatives are, and stuff, they'll actually be able to tell where these people live their lives. Like, they'll be like, this person lived their lives somewhere in the upper Midwest. This person lived their lives west in the, in the Rocky Mountains based on the pesticide, based on the pollution that's actually in their body. Just that, you know, so that's, it is is 100% true, guys, even if you guys don't want to believe me on this. So I'll bring in Rick, uh, kind of run on a tangent. Tell us a little bit about what you think on this one. A long explanation, man. Very nice. Um, so I'm going to go to just the core of the question. You mentioned a lot of other factors, which you're absolutely right. Environmental factors, genetic factors, dietary factors can lower your test levels. Now, the question is low test after two years of stopping steroids with no PCT. Can this be fixed or not? Well, if you never ran a proper post-cycle therapy protocol after you stop your steroid use, there's a good chance that your body may not recover on its own. There's a good chance that unless you kind of help kickstart your testicular axis, you might not get back to normal on your own. And if you do, it might take years and years and years. Now, there are some guys either because of age or genetic predisposition or just health can bounce back after steroid use quite quickly without having to run a full PCT. But for most of us, most of us guys with average genetics and, you know, just good health, we need to really run a proper PCT protocol after each and every cycle. 
So what can you do? Can he be fixed? Well, and I, and we've had questions like this come up. Sometimes you have to just run PCT all over again, run a standalone PCT. Shit. There are guys that ran good post-cycle therapies after their, their cycle and still six, seven, 12 months later, they're still low in testosterone when they go get tested. Even if their testosterone was normal to high before steroid use, they run one or two long cycles, even with proper PCT. And guess what? They'll find months and months, maybe a year later, that they're low in LH, FSH, low testosterone. And then at that point, you got to just give it another kickstart, run a standalone PCT, consider long-term use of some good herbal supplements. I keep telling you guys the herbal stuff works. It's been working for men across the world before we even had modern pharmaceuticals and synthetic drugs. People have been using plants and herbs and just dietary tune, fine-tuning to increase their libido, their, their vitality, their fertility. All of these signs of healthy testosterone production. So low test after two years of starting your, your steroid cycle. This guy, no PCT. Some guys really run a full PCT. They still find themselves in that predicament. Run a standalone PCT, standalone post-cycle therapy, and get on some good herbs long-term. Fedoja agrestis is the one herb that I think every steroid user should be taken along with our post-psychotherapy. Fedoja agrestis, just the science behind it is very solid. And I include a good bit, a gram of Fedoja agrestis every day in, in my HC Generate product. Go to hcgenerate.com. That is just one herb that I think it's just a, should be a staple in every steroid user's protocol for post-psychotherapy. It's an herb you can take long-term. It increases the size of your testes, increases the volume of your semen. So that's it, man. Just a very short uh, kind of concise answer directly to the question since you addressed many other factors. Uh, I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't do that. One more, one more thing I have to address, guys, is very, very important because I've also seen this mistake done, is that what, a lot of times what people will do is they'll throw tons of drugs at their system. And uh, what Rick is saying is very, very important. And uh, to listen to what Rick is saying when it comes to these herbals, because the problem I see is a lot of people will start throwing HCG, HMG, Novadex, Clomid, will throw tons of drugs at their system because they think, you know what, if I take a ton, you know, throw tons of drugs in my system, that it'll help me recover. And very, very few people actually do recover doing that. And, it, and they'll, they'll recover just by coincidence because they would have recovered all along. But what happens is when you throw these, these drugs at your system, we you throw ACG or HMG at your system, it's actually going to prevent you from recovering longer. Because what those do is they'll mimic hormones in your body. So they'll actually signal your pituitary glands to not produce its own hormones. And that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. Novadex and Clomid, they block estrogen from, you know, feedbacking into the pituitary glands. So they'll temporarily manipulate your pituitary glands to produce hormones, but they're not teaching your pituitary glands to do it on its own. So when you stop taking those CIRMs, the Novadex and Clomid, 
your testosterone levels will tank back down. Your LH and FSH will tank back down if you are truly shut down. So essentially, you're kind of just delaying the inevitable when you do that. And you're actually making it harder for your own body to recover. So it's very important to take advantage of these orbitals that Rick is talking about, the N2-generate, N2-generate ES, because those actually will naturally teach your pituitary glands, signal to your pituitary glands to produce hormones, but not interfere with your rep reproductive system recovering in the process. So I'm a big proponent of using these natural herbals instead of just throwing a bunch of drugs. And the people that I've seen, um, and we have blood work to confirm this, that have thrown a bunch of drugs in their system, they'll get a little bounce. They'll get a little bounce. And then when they stop taking these drugs, they'll just tank right back down. They'll be right back to the were before. So essentially, it's like walking around in a circle in the jungles of Colombia. You just go in a one big circle. It takes you a week to get back to the same spot you were. You're trying to get out of the jungle. You're not really getting anywhere by doing that. So it's better just to go the right direction from the start, guys. So very, very important to, to do that. And I'm sorry for anybody who is not able to come back. Thankfully, there is the option of lifelong TRT. And that should be a last resort, but thankfully that is an option on the table. So, um, you know, try to do what you can to recover, but if all else fails, give it an honest shot. Give it an honest shot, especially if you're a young guy. If all else fails, TRT is, is a last resort. And yeah, just to throw something in, we do so many of these podcasts uh, that maybe some of you guys out there might think that we don't that we talk about using drugs like it's nothing. I just want to take this as an opportunity to tell you guys, we take this very seriously. And I've said it on many podcasts. I'm going to repeat it again. When you take steroids, you're messing with your endocrine system. You're, you're messing with the machinery. There's a good chance that you could be unlucky and never recover from it. It doesn't happen that often. We see many guys that can get off the steroids and live a normal life and never use them again. But we also see some guys that have problems for years after just one cycle. You're taking it upon yourself to self-medicate with very powerful hormones that can disrupt the whole balance that your body already has working. It's a testicular axis, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it, it works as a feedback loop and you're throwing chemicals into the into that that feedback system and sometimes your body may just not recover it might take years to recover so don't take any of this lightly you know we have a lot of podcasts and we give suggestions and blah 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 but every once in a while we got to kind of just take this time to rem to remind you guys that it's not all sweet you could have problems that could last years to a lifetime if you're unlucky enough unfortunate enough if you were prone to them. So it, it's just something to, something to know. All right, so next one is about trend. Can I bulk up on trend? What is the best way to bulk up on trend? So I think one of the misconceptions out there from guys, and um, I'm not sure exactly why anyone would think that trend isn't a good bulker, because the, the science behind trend, trend is actually used today, even though it was originally pharmacy grade, human grade, now it's used in, in cattle to make the cows fat before slaughter. So it makes actually no sense for people to actually think that you can't bulk up on trend. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Having used trend, 
you know, uh, more times than I've cared to admit. I mean, I don't know, four or five, six times I've used trend cycles. Um, I've always put on masks, like within the first week or two. Like I put on like five, eight pounds, boom, strength through the roof. So trend is a great steroid to bulk and it's going to force you to, you know, chomp on those carbs. If you want to take trend and fast, or you want to take trend and not eat carbs, do a low carb diet, trend will punish you because trend really does a good job of partitioning nutrient partitioning. So you'll, you'll feel, you'll feel the effects. You'll feel the side effects, the insomnia, the hypoglycemic feeling, the energy, the fatigue, the lack of energy, the fatigue factor from not uh, taking in enough carbs while you're on trend, not spreading out your food throughout the day, which is not the way you want to eat, you know, for most of the year. But when you're on trend, it's probably a good idea to, you know, eat a breakfast, eat some oatmeal for breakfast, eat some fruit, um, have some apple juice, some orange juice. You want to get your, your, you know, your, um, your carbohydrates up. You want to spread them out a little bit because trend will suck everything out of your body. It's kind of like taking insulin, kind of the same effect. And you'll notice it does affect your blood sugar. Trend is just a really strong steroid. And, um, you know, I talked to an IFBB pro about this. And I asked them, I was like, why does trend, you know, cause this? And really his theory on this is because trend is so anabolic in the body. It's so anabolic that that's the effect that it's going to give you. Um, if you were to run testosterone at a moderate dosage, you're not going to get those effects. But if you run testosterone at a high dose, really, really high dose, like over a gram, maybe two grams, like some guys are crazy enough to do, you'll get an effect as well. And then same thing with anadrol. If you run anadrol 100 milligrams or 150 milligrams a day, high dosages, you'll get that effect. Some of these other steroids, you run so much of them, it gives a big anabolic effect in the body. But that's the whole purpose. That's how these steroids work to prevent muscle wasting. And of course, we in the bodybuilding from this world, we don't run therapeutic dosages, which are what these steroids were designed for, for muscle wasting, for anemia. We don't run the therapeutic dosages. We run the bodybuilding dosages. So if you start running trend at 300, 400 milligrams a week, this effect that I'm talking about will be, you know, higher and higher and higher. So yeah, with trend, you know, all you got to do with trend guys is run it 200, 300 milligrams a week. That is by itself a strong dose. Spread out your food, spread out your carbs, have a decent breakfast, you know, uh, with some with some carbs in the morning. Uh, even like eggs and toast would be would be fine. Some Ezekiel bread, uh, some some healthy uh, grain bread, you know, not the cheap bread. I would never recommend eat, you know, consuming cheap white bread. Uh, so get some go to Whole Foods, get some good quality bread, maybe the Ezekiel bread if you're not gluten intolerant, you know, get some, um, you know, maybe have some jam, some good, good quality uh, organic jam, sugar free, just natural um, fruit jam um, with some coconut uh, milk, coconut milk. And, um, you know, you can have that. So it's really important, I think, to spread out your. So when you're doing that, you're you're just gonna bulk and you're gonna get stronger on it. But that's that's just the science behind trend, guys. And so anyone who tells you that trend, oh, trend, you cut down on trend, you shred up on trend, you know, it's 
it's going to put on size. It's going to put on size. And yeah, you, you know, some guys do shred up on it. It's true. Um, but the, the amazing thing about trend is, you know, you, you eat good on it, you exercise, you lift while you're on it. You're going to, at the end of the day, you look in the mirror, you're going to look more shredded and you're going to look much bigger as well. And you're going to be way stronger. So that's the beauty, beauty of trend for sure. So you can run it by itself. You can run it with some tests. I don't like running trend with androgenic compounds personally, because it just magnifies the side effects. So I prefer to run trend with some anabar or run it with some Tebow something a mild compound with it and that that to me does the job so i'll bring it right here what are your thoughts on uh, on trend about bulking so i've said on the podcast a bunch of times trend is that steroid that just amplifies everything else you're doing right along with it so you can drop trend in into a cutting cycle you can drop it into a bulking cycle and as long as you're training and eating as though you're trying to bulk or as you're trying to cut, trend will just help. Um, you know, over a year ago when we started the podcast, I used to just say, don't use trend, don't use trend, don't use trend. It's not necessary for just a regular recreational user. But in the last few months, year almost, I've changed my tune a little bit on trend and said, all right, well, it is very effective. The side effects are just not worth it at the higher doses. So dropping in 100 megs, maybe 200 milligrams a week into your cycle. It's all you need. You'll get the good benefits from it. It'll amplify everything else you're doing. It'll give you that drive. We'll give you that strength. We'll give you the nutrient partition and end of it, but it won't cause some of the rougher side effects from Trembolone, like the, the problems with the kidneys, like the problems with sleep, like the problems with your body heat, like, problems you know issues with your mentality you've said it you've said it best you know trend balone is the relationship killer to quote steve smee so dropping in 100 megs even 200 megs on top of your cutting on top of your bulking great 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 addition and trend really if you want to bulk on trend you just got to eat enough trend balone reminds me of superdrol in that regard that if you don't eat on it so you're just not going to gain that size. You'll get the other benefits from it. You get hard, strong, but you're just not going to get that full size that you do get when you just eat enough on this stuff. So trend for bulking, fuck yeah. Not standalone, obviously, with maybe one or two other compounds. Yeah. Bulking diet, training like you're trying to gain mass, and obviously... Bulking diet means getting those calories in. So, yeah, trend for bulking. I mean, look, trend is good for bulking, for cutting. If you're not trying to gain or lose weight, you just want some, some additional strength drive. So it's good for that. Trend, trend alone is shit for your cardio endurance. So if you're trying to do some other activities like mixed martial arts, like run competitively, doing any of that stuff, it's just going to fuck your cardio up. It's going to kill your cardio. You're going to feel winded on it. So that's it, man. That's my uh, you, host, host building trend. Have you ever tried trend, Rick, and done cardio? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the, the, the times that I kind of decided trend needed to go was I got into Thai boxing uh, big time after, you know, doing 
wrestling in, in high school, boxed a little bit. Then I went to try jiu-jitsu, found out that Enzo Gracie had an academy around the basement of the building that I was working at at the time. I was on the 10th floor working for Elite Fitness's offices. And um, basically, I, I went downstairs to to check it out, to see if I could work with, uh, train at the Enzo Gracie Academy. And then I met this little Thailand guy named uh, Master Kumran, Master K. And started Thai boxing. From then on, I went to Crewfield Nurse down by Canal Street. And I'll tell you what, man, in that whole, that whole run of me doing Thai boxing, I was, I was hitting that trambolone. And man, did I get winded. Man, did my endurance just, I just couldn't keep up. You know, some, some skinny, scrawny kind of guys that could just go for hours and my endurance just wasn't there i was getting shin splints i just my muscles were were getting cramped up and then and there i said all right i need to i need to cut back on this trend it was like the first time that i realized trend was just doing really fucked up things to my cardio and i stopped it and then a couple years later i did it again knocked some of my hair out and so Obviously, I um, that was the the last of of trend back then, and then I used tiny bit recently in in my late thirties. Um, but yeah, I mean that's a little bit of my history, my personal history with trend. Yeah, a lot of people, um, guys. I'm I'm in my forties, so my resting heart rate. I, I kid you not, I tested it yesterday. is in the high forties, and a lot of you guys in your twenties and thirties don't even have that. So I've worked very hard on my endurance. My endurance is really really good. Um, and if I were to run trend right now, I, I credit my endurance to a lot of Bikram yoga, Bikram hot yoga, that stuff will, will give you amazing endurance. Um, but if I was to run trend, my resting heart rate would go from the high forties, probably into the seventies. That's how bad trend wrecks your, your cardio. So it's going to you know take me a while if I were to run a trend cycle to ever get back to the high forties. And I may never go back to the high forties because I'm, as you get older, your resting heart rate, you know, is going to can be harder to get your resting heart rate down obviously so yeah so it's it's kind of um you know it's kind of something i shy away from um i've you know gone full circle with this i had my fun with trend um if i ever do decide to go back to trend it's going to be me abandoning um being you know strong and endurance strong with endurance and i would choose to be strong with how much weight i lift so it's just a matter of your goals guys but if you've never experimented a trend and you're truly ready go for it um, I, you know, I don't have any issues with you guys doing it. Just do it the smart way. But if you, you know, if your goals are to bulk, go for it. If your goals are, goals are endurance, stay the hell away from it. All right, guys. So the next one, I'm going to bring in Rick on this. Do you have to be rich to use steroids and how much does it cost? So Rick, I'll bring you in on this. Interpret this question. Uh, because you started using steroids a while back and you, you know, I guess you weren't rich back in the day. I could be wrong, but um, did it take up a lot of your budget when you first started using them? When I started using, I, I was using them very young. I don't advise anybody start as young as I was, but I've been lifting weights since I was 13. So when, when I hit the saws, I'd already had about seven, almost eight years of, of just natural training. I was a 20 year old broke as fuck you know, broke as hell, 20 year old. Um, my, you know, my parents didn't, didn't have a lot of money either. I was kind of paying all working and paying all my own stuff by the time I was 16. So 
my steroid cycles were extremely expensive. This is at a time when there wasn't any underground labs to, to, to be to, at all. Everything was either veterinarian grade or human grade. And so stuff was extremely expensive back in the day when I started, when I was a young man. Nowadays, man, stuff's so cheap. Steroids are so cheap nowadays compared to what they were 20, 15, even 10 years ago. The prices are just, the prices I see out there are just incredibly low. Stuff is very, very cheap. Obviously, the quality has gone downhill because all these underground labs are not regulated, have no regulation, no governing body that could come and shut them down if they're not testing for heavy metals, not testing for bacteria content, using more solvents than they're necessary. You know, there, there is no, no enforcement. If they're not using the proper material for the plungers, the proper metals for the crimper, you know, there, there is no governing body. These guys do whatever the fuck they want. And they tend to control the actual uh, flow of information on the net because they've got the money. And so, of course, they're cheap. Not only are they cheap because there are all these underground labs around, but, you know, most meatheads now can order all of the solvents and carriers and everything necessary from, from a website and then order the powders, deliver right to their door, and just go to work, make a bunch of bottles, crimp them up, and put them out into the market. So you don't need to be rich to use steroids nowadays. I mean, you can get on a really nice steroid cycle if you're not doing a ton of stuff you know if you're not going you know doing two grams a week but like if you're doing a sensible small cycle you know five to seven hundred milligrams a week of a combine of two three different steroids you could do that for around a hundred bucks a hundred and two hundred bucks maybe a month for running five to well depending what you use five to a thousand milligrams of some good steroids every week. And I mean, good steroids as far as the hormone themselves being effective. I don't mean clean as far as heavy metals, pollutants, toxins. I don't mean it that way. You know, pesticides in your oils. I don't mean any of that stuff. They're not, those are not tested for by underground labs. Just mean good hormone, good, uh, high quality, good strength hormones. Uh, I mean, you could run testosterone, DECA, I should say testosterone, DECA, and maybe a little bit of D-ball, a couple hundred dollars a month. You could run testosterone, trambolone, EQ, small dosing, keep it under 700 migs per week, about one to 200 bucks a month. You know, and, and look, and back in the day when I got started, just a one amp, one amp, of sustenon or primotestin, you were in, you know, 17 bucks, $20, $25 if you didn't have a good hookup for a single amp. And, you know, you wanted to use maybe two of those a week. You're ready. You're ready into the $200 realm on just doing 500 mix of just the testosterone per week. You're already spending your, your 200 bucks budget 
on just a couple of amps of testosterone every week back in the day when the stuff came from legitimate human grade places and and the way that it got shipped into the country was in the actual packaging from the factory the the, the certified factory that made it uh you know it's a different story than, than it is today so um so i guess that answers the question you don't you don't need to be you don't need to have a lot of money at all to use steroids nowadays to to, to be honest all right so the next one we're gonna get into i think we covered everything on that one best world to kickstart a test eq style is it even necessary? So let me bring up some orals. We have Anadrol, we have Anavar, we have Debol, Dianabol. We've got Halo Testin. We got Winstrol. We have Turonabol. You know, those are the prime orals that guys use as orals, right? So which one of those would work? So if we you know, we, we've discussed these orals before. One of the reasons I think kickstarting used to be popular and it's not maybe so much anymore. As I think back in the day, I think guys were running, um, I think they were running shorter cycles back in the day. I think guys now, they run 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, 24 weeks. You know, no problem. Guys blast and cruise. Guys stay on year round. They'll they'll blast. You know, twenty weeks, and they'll come. They'll they'll cruise for like six weeks or eight weeks, and then they'll blast another twenty weeks. You know, I think back then they they kind of didn't abuse steroids the same way. And I think it has something to do with what Rick was talking about in our last segment about how much steroids cost. I think because back then people didn't make as much. You know, uh, so steroid users, you know, a uh, steroid cycle would take a lot of your budget. You know, nowadays it's, it's nothing. People are making way more money now. I mean, anyone can make money these days. You can go on and do a fucking, uh, go on one of those webcam sites, okay, and whack off for an hour. And you got people paying you money to watch you whack off. I mean, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's insane how easy it is to make money these days. So I think a lot of people, you know, nowadays they don't care. So they'll just run 20 weeks of a cycle. So they're like, yeah, you know, I don't have to kickstart it. Like, who cares? They don't kickstart, they just run the world for eight weeks. But back in the old days, they'd kickstart for like three, four weeks, some D bowl or some T bowl or some Anavar or some Anadrol. They kickstart it for like three, four weeks. And then, you know, They'll run a long ester to test the EQ, long ester steroids. And then by the time they're done with the three, four weeks, they're done with the oral, then those other steroids will be peaking their system. And they'll run those steroids to like week 10, week 12. Then they'll come off, they'll PCT, they'll come off entirely. And then they'll, you know, they'll run another cycle, maybe three, four months down the road. <laughs> it's different now. So I think that's that's maybe the reason people don't kickstart anymore. I don't got any issues, even if it's your first cycle, doing a little kickstart. That three, four week kickstart. I'd rather you kickstart within the oral than run these excessively long quote unquote cycles, which are not even cycles because 20 weeks is not a cycle. If you run EQ for 20 weeks, okay, if you count the ester, which is six weeks to get out of your system, that means you're on steroids six months straight, right? 26 weeks, 20 weeks plus six weeks of cleared esters. So you're on steroids for 26 weeks. That's six months. That's not cycling. I mean, let's just call it what it is. So 
I'd rather you kickstart and run a 10 week cycle of test EQ and you're good to go. And you're going to have the people be like, oh, the haters are going to be, oh, Steve, you know what I'm talking about? You shouldn't run EQ just 10 weeks. You got to run it longer. I'd rather you run it less, okay, and leave gains on the table than run it too long and then not be able to recover. Go back to our first segment and re-listen to it because that happens. Guys can't recover. You run a 20-week cycle, which is 26 weeks. You're shut down for six months straight. You're going to have a hard time recovering. So, so hell Yeah. Run a one a 10 week cycle, kickstart for four weeks with one of these orals that I mentioned. I don't got a problem with it. And you're going to recover much better than just running a long ass 20 week cycle. Rick, what do you think? I mean, look, it's EQ and testosterone. I've said it on the podcast many times. It's like my favorite mix. Do you really need a kickstart? Probably not. I mean, just have patience. You know, I don't, I don't get what's, what's all this impatience when it comes to steroid use. You're already using the steroids that are going to fast forward your results and your progress. You need to fast forward it more and punish your liver along the way. So my first piece of advice is don't do it. You, you're already running tests in EQ. Just, just wait until that kicks in. You know, enjoy the journey. However, if you work to throw something on top of it, if you absolutely had to, <laughs> um, I would go with probably one of three steroids. Um, if you're talking about good results, low bulking, something that you can find pretty legitimate, you won't get scammed or, or the chances of getting scammed are, are low. Turinable, turinable. You already have the testosterone that aromatizes. EQ is not as bad in aromatization. It won't give you as bad uh, estrogen side effects. More recent information, uh, some guys even consider it to maybe be work as an anti-estrogen of sorts, EQ. This is more information that I'm researching now, which if I decide that it's worth me adding to my advice, then it'll contradict some of the things that I've said about EQ in the past about estrogen activity. But it's I'm still researching it. I've seen some really good evidence, so I'm still looking into it. But you know, you've, you've got those, I, I wouldn't add like a D ball or anything else. That's going to make me worry about estrogen. Now, Turinabol, you're good. I have to worry much about estrogen. If you're doing a little EQ testosterone cycle to get a little leaner, a little cut, Anavar or Winstrol would also help. So I, I would go one of those three. If I'm bulking, getting bigger, Turinabol. I'm not one for Diana ball and getting watery on it. Don't, I personally don't like it. Some guys do. But then if you use Dianabol with the test, chances are you're going to be into some aromacin. Well, if you just take the test and the EQ and kickstart with a little bit of Turinabol, a little bit of Anavar, maybe a little bit of Winstrol, you might not be into having to take an anti-E at that, at that moment. So any of those can help. But, but, but to the core of the question, is it necessary? Can you do it? Yeah, of course. Is it necessary? No, just take your time. Let this, let this shit kick in. You know, let it, let it kick in. Let it, let it do its thing when the time comes, when it's built up. The EQ is going to take longer to build up to strength than the testosterone because of the longer ester chain. It doesn't peak as, as quickly. And the testosterone should begin to, to kick in pretty pretty quickly. So that's all I got to say about that, I guess. All right, guys. So the last one on this Q&A, guys, is going to be 
how much water per day do we really need? Do we really need half a gallon? So I'm going to bring in Rick early on this one. Rick, uh, what's your opinion on this? Do you need a lot of water? Uh, I've seen good evidence and good arguments from experts on both sides of it. Look, if you drink a lot of water, your body will, will process it. If you don't drink a lot of water, your body will be very efficient at making use of the water that's in it already that you do have. We know that fasting, dry fasting, causes your body to kill some dead cells in order to get nutrition and water out of them. Your body's very efficient at knowing what to do with water. So if you drink plenty of water, your body will process it accordingly. If you don't, then your body will be very efficient as to what it does with the liquids. So do you need it? No. Can it help if you, if you take that much? Yeah, why not? But we're not in this constant danger of dehydration the way you hear some people make it out to be. Like you're in this constant zone of dehydration and you're constantly lacking water. I've heard these things. It's, it's kind of not like that. One good marker that you need to just look at is look at the color of your urine. Obviously, if you're taking a multivitamin, loaded, something loaded, like let's say Entugard, then you're going to notice that your pee is almost fluorescent. That's because a lot of the vitamins, minerals get processed out your kidneys. It's completely harmless. But besides that, if you have kind of cloudy, darkish urine and you're not urinating a lot, then yeah, you might need to run more water through your body. Make sure that urine is lighter. It's not as strong smelling. That's a good indicator. You know, as long as you're, you're urinating enough throughout the day and it's kind of light colored urine, you're kind of good. You're not in this constant danger of dehydration. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So let me, let me get into uh, types of water, guys. Because like, We talked at the beginning of the show about how bad our water quality is. Uh, did you know that our water contains herbicides and pesticides and chlorine and fluoride and all this other stuff that doesn't belong in our body? So if you use your tap water, that's what's coming out of it. So very, very important, guys, uh, to make sure that you're filtering your water. Now, here's the, here's the good news and here's the bad news about filtering water. When you get a filter and you filter out that tap water, you're not just filtering out the bad stuff. You're filtering out the good stuff. So you're basically just getting mineral-less water, plain water with no minerals that are good, good for us. So this goes back to mineral deficiencies now. So you have an option. You can get a filter, filter out the water, and you're left with dead water. Is that better than drinking tap water? Yes. Yes, it is. I'd rather you drink dead water than drink water out of your tap that's full of crap. The second thing is buying bottled water. Most bottled water out there, most bottled water is just tap water. And you can get a chlorine test kit just from like a pool supply store or Walmart or something. And you can test that tap water. And you'll see that it's got chlorine in it. Why is that? Because there's no law that prevents these companies from selling tap water in a bottle as bottled water. So people think, oh, it's bottled water. It's, it's good for, it's, it's good water. No, most of the time it is not. 
it's very important to test out the water if you're buying bottled water. The third issue with that is the plastics. Bottled water, what do you think happens with all the plastics? It ends up in our environment. Plastics, again, get in our water systems and cause problems. So it's like we can't win at the end of the day. Now, there is one way you can win. That's getting an ionizer. Now, an ionizer costs, costs some money. It's going to cost you some money. Um, it can cost 500 bucks, cost 1,000 bucks, cost 2,000 bucks. But an ionizer, you can hook up at home. It'll actually split the bad stuff out of your water, but keep the good stuff in your water. So that is a good option if you guys are really, really obsessed with water quality. The other option is you can take that filtered water, add a little, add some minerals to it. You add some potassium, add some you know, liquid magnesium, add some salt. And then you're getting the good stuff that's being filtered out. So, you know, that's that's how it go, goes, guys. But yeah, water is a big problem. I once, uh, Rick, uh, I once had a girl I was dating. She was a nurse. And she told me, she said, oh, it doesn't matter what water we drink. It's all the same. It's all the same. That's That was her theory. Um, so that just tells you how much ignorance there is out there and how people just don't give a shit. And as long as people like that don't give a shit, we're going to continue being exposed to crappy water, you know, so uh, that's, that's just how it is. But guys, you know, yeah, I, look, at the end of the day, you know, chlorine doesn't belong in our body. Fluoride doesn't belong in our body. Fluoride is good for our teeth. I get it, but not drinking. You shouldn't be drinking fluoride. It'd be like going to the dentist and when they clean your teeth, drinking all those chemicals they're squirting in your mouth. That's not, that's not correct. Rick, finish up the show. You know, your body is evolved to handle some stuff that gets into the water. You know, very few people across the world had completely pure, clean water. It would always carry some of the sediments and some of the minerals that were abundant in that area. There'd always be, you know, animals uh, that went in the water, that died in, in the upstream. So... Your body is equipped to handle some stuff, but some of it, it's just not equipped to handle. It's like some of these pesticides and some of these synthetics that are now in the water that weren't there before. So definitely water filtration is, is a good, good investment, is investing into good water filtration and filter your own water, reuse your own plastic bottles, reuse your own, if you can have a glass bottle, that you take with you even better and just filter and reuse the containers. And that's it. I mean, it's a good, good practice. Um, like I said, your body, your body's equipped to handle some contamination in the water. It's just, it's been unavoidable. Humans have settled across all this whole globe, across all this motherfucker. We've settled everywhere before we ever had water filters. And we just found a way to live with whatever water we can scoop up with our hands. Okay. Didn't have to be filtered many, you know, for thousands of years, we didn't even know about boiling it. We just went with it and lived a, a life. That's it. Nowadays we can boil the shit. We can filter it. So invest into a good filtration system and give yourself some nice clean water because uh some of this stuff can floating around our water system now it's 
completely synthetic. It's, it's completely stuff that your body was never evolved to be able to handle, like maybe some, some minerals and some bacteria, which is what we've always had in there. Right. So that's it. Yeah. And for people like my, you know, ex, you know, who's a nurse, maybe, you know, someone like that, maybe, you know, so to, to those people, this is what I say on that. Look, at the end of the day, you're stressing on your body. If you drink tap water, floor of chlorine or, or you buy bottled water, corporate bottled water, um, I, mean, I can give you the brands. Um, I don't, I mean, you want me to give the brands, Rick, or no? I can give you brands of water that are bad and good. Um, let's not, let's not, let's yeah, not pick, I don't, a, fight. Do let's not pick guys... a fight with any of these fucking multi-million dollar companies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> alone. Yeah. But like I said, you guys can get a, a thing, but, but the, 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 this is what I had to say to those people who, who think I'm, I'm full of it. Look, you're stressing out your body. You put these chemicals in your body, you're stressing out your body. Okay. Now, why would you do that? Why our bodies are under enough stress in modern society. We're under enough stress. We work two jobs. We've got wife, we got kids, we got all the stress. Okay. That we're dealing with. Why add to it? So if you can limit the crap you put in your body, that's less stress on your body. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Cause we get already too much stress. So that, if that makes sense to you, then listen to what we're saying. If it doesn't make sense to you, then keep drinking bottled water that's corporate owned and, and all this crap. So, all right, guys, that sums it up. This was episode 375. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. the require legal disclaimer we are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use we are not doctors and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program